0: Welcome to episode seven of the Ski Instructor Podcast. My name is Dave Burrows. I'm the uh, director and owner of Snowpro Ski School, based here in Switzerland. Um, I wanted to start um, before I, uh, we get going with uh, this week's um, this week's podcast, and I wanted to thank everybody for all the positive comments and the emails and the uh, uh, the comments that I've received through uh, Podbean and, and iTunes. Um, for this podcast, it's really, really, uh, it's great to know that there's so many people out there listening. I, I'm not going to list everybody who's written into me, but um, but you know who you are, and thank you for getting in touch. I also saw a. Uh, I now have a, a thread dedicated to myself on Snowheads, which was uh, which was super interesting to see the feedback that those guys have got. And what it made me realise is that I don't didn't actually give at any point an explanation of why I'm doing this or what I'm doing it for. Um, so I thought I'd just explain that before we get going today. Um, about a couple of years ago, I finished off uh, my Brevet uh, Federal in Switzerland. So um, I my journey was uh, I started all my formation uh, within within uh, the British Association of Snowsports Instructors, but very soon I realized that their framework and their pathway is set up and geared towards France, and, and my ambition was never really to work in France that much. And actually, my whole life is based in Switzerland. So I, I flipped over into the Swiss snow sports system and, uh, and eventually managed to gain my uh, Brevet Federal uh, with them. And what happened, I think, and I think this happens to a lot of people who, who kind of complete their various national systems, is that I popped out of the end of that. And, and then for a little while, I was sort of a bit in the wilderness because you get used to sort of taking exams and, and, uh, and you know, doing this sort of continuous learning process. Um, but in fact, uh, yeah, then, then sort of dropped into this void. So I was looking around for things to do, be it training courses or, or other interesting stuff um, to learn. And uh, I couldn't really find anything that's, that, that was interesting to me. And uh, and so this podcast is actually part of that, which I essentially just started out um, doing myself. So what I'm doing is I'm looking around for interesting ski, ski instructors, skis, school directors, people that I'd like to speak to actively seeking them out and, and and speaking to them and at the same time I thought well wouldn't it be good you know instead of just having these conversations why don't I share that with the wider community so that, that everybody can hear what these 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 guys and girls have got to say um so that's how the podcast came about um and uh, and you know for me there's no material goal or gain or, or I'm not looking this you know for fame or for sponsorship or anything like that I'm literally doing it as a as a personal journey and just just something that's interesting to me and and uh, and I'm just putting it out there and, and if people are interested in it they're interested in it and uh, and as I stand, as I sit here now we've had over over four thousand do- downloads over the uh, over the six six episodes and um, and there's plenty more I've got a big list of, of, of interesting people to uh, to interview. Um, in terms of the length of the podcast, um, I don't really care. It's an open form, open form, com, open format conversation, so it goes where it goes. Um, a lot of these end up being about one hour thirty, um, and you know there are other podcasts out there that I've heard that are similar. Well, not similar, but skiing based content, but you know they try to keep it all within the hour. But but that really doesn't matter to me. The conversation takes as long as the conversation takes to to get through the points, um, that, that I kind of wanted to talk to, uh, to those people about. So, um, on we go then. So episode seven, um, I interviewed Tom Gelly. Um, Tom Gelly is based in Sydney, Australia. Um, and Tom Gelly is also the owner of a business called Functional Body. Um, now Tom has skied for Australia and he's been in the demo team for Telemark and Skiing. Um, and he also has you know plenty of content out there on social media you would have seen him and seen him ski uh, no doubt and um, he's a you know he's an amazing skier that's for sure um, this interview was done um, done on Skype um, and uh, the usual kind of setup where I'm trying to record it off of Skype so, so the sound quality in some places is not amazing but, uh, but hopefully that's enough to uh, that you can all hear um, in this first half, we uh, we talked at length about um, his journey, um, his skiing in in, in Australia, you know, his journey to where he is now, um, skiing in Australia and New Zealand, and his work at Functional Body. And uh, we also touch on equipment. So, uh, without further ado, we'll uh, we'll get going, and um, and I'll see you at the midpoint midpoint break. Thank you. Tom Geley welcome to the uh, ski instructor podcast uh, you're joining us all the way from Sydney in Australia
1: that's right yeah thanks for thanks for inviting me
0: Oh, mate it's great I've, I've been really really following um, following your stuff that you've been doing um, with your your business uh, fun, functional bodies is that right that's right um, and I think it's hugely interesting. The thing that really sparked me to get in touch with you, and I've been meaning to for a while. And, and obviously, you run your own podcast, uh, Global Skiing, which has got some amazing interviews on it. Um, but the thing that that prompted me to get in touch with you this time was was actually the discussion about cue angle and uh, and and you know that that sort of. The probably the a framing problem that gets created by that, um, which was which caused actually there's a huge amount of comments underneath that particular post you made on Facebook. So it did, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but let's 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 take it back a little bit before we, we jump right into all the biomechanics stuff. Let, let's um let's talk about your own personal skiing because you skied an extremely high level, um. And you're also, I think you're doing some clinics and stuff this winter in New Zealand with rookies. Is that right?
1: That's right. Yes. Yeah. So I've got. Um, where do you want me to start?
0: Up to <laughs> you, mate. You just carry on. You know how these things work. Yeah. Tell me about your well, skiing. From from how did you how did you grow up skiing? Were you racing as a young age at a young age, or are you just uh, did you come to it um, late? What's the, the deal?
1: So, uh, no, I actually only started alpine skiing when I was 22, 22 years old. Oh, wow. So okay. I was telemarking a bit before then, mm-hmm. snowba- snowboarding a couple of years before then. But, yeah, not until I went to uni did I really start um, telemark skiing because I grew up uh, – Cross-country skiing. Oh, wow. um, my family, my dad in particular, is very much into the outdoors, and um, so a lot of every year we'd go to the snow in Australia, and we'd spend a couple of weeks, yeah, sort of in in Jindabyne, which is a the town there, and we'd go up for the day to different places, mm-hmm. and um, sort of go, and it was backcountry cross-country skiing, so used to wear really dorky outfits like uh, (laughs) if you can imagine like me as a nine-year-old walking around in long johns and a raincoat and a balaclava um, with my brother in the middle of like the aussie bush snow yeah trying to build jumps being very jealous of all our friends who had lift tickets and kind of hating my parents because they wouldn't they thought it was um too expensive and you know was yeah. better for us to be in the outdoors. So I look back now and I'm very grateful mm-hmm. because I think it actually taught me uh, natural balance a lot better because I was in leather boots that were often too big, Yeah. on skinny skis that were held just down by three pins at the front, Yeah. so free heel in really very variable Aussie snow we get, Yeah. Um, trying to do jumps because my brother and I were right into – that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but my dad would be like, "Nope, we're going to go climb this mountain and go touring out here and <laughs> eat our scrogging. And yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that's how I grew up. And mm-hmm. when I could <clears throat> afford a lift ticket, yeah, I went and I snowboarded cause it was a much cooler thing to do and really sort of fell in love with it and finished school and went and became a lifty at Perisher okay. for one season.
0: Yeah.
1: And, um, then went to university in a place called Albury Wodonga to study environmental science and outdoor recreation, mm. and um, and and there that's really close to two resorts, Falls Creek and Mount Hotham. And so, me and my housemate at the time would go up, and I that's just when I got back into telemark skiing because I saw a video and um. Cross-country or the backcountry telemarketing wasn't dorky anymore. People were throwing, like, double backflips and,
0: yeah.
1: like, cork sevens and stuff. I was like, oh, cool. Like, I, I used to be good at that. Mm. It's not so <laughs> awkward anymore. I'll, I'll do it again. So I bought some black diamond skis and G3 boots and got into telly and yeah. did my instructor's level really early on and uh, then ended up kind of going up through, through the levels and becoming an APSI, Australian uh, Telemark trainer. Oh, wow. And then, yeah, and then got on, got selected for the Aussie Interski team as the Telemark representative for the 2011 St. Anton Interski.
0: Yeah.
1: And so so went there as the only telemarker for the Aussie team, but ended up being in all the demos part the time with my heels down if I was like the... One of the runs, synchro runs we did, was sort of this short-term formation. And so I was on skis yes. doing Alpine short turns. Huh. Um, yeah, but that <clears throat> that was a huge turning point, actually, because I thought what I wanted to be was this, was you know, a world-class telemark technical instructor skier, yeah. do everything um so i was you know able to throw back flips front flips Lincoln loops yeah. like 360s go in the park and the yeah. ski bumps and 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 race and so you know feel, felt pretty good but and, and going to indy ski i thought i would see all these people that were like that would inspire me and be way better but it was actually um and no offense to anyone there but it was actually a bit disappointing but,
0: yeah. but
1: but really good because I saw these alpine skiers and they were the ones that um, really inspired me, like JF Bullio and Sebastian Michel and Russ Wood and yeah, and the Swiss team and um, the Japanese team, the Korean team, like all these amazing skiers. And I was like, that's that's what I'm going to do because there's a lot more knowledge in that world on. On technique and, and I and, and I was still kind of thinking if I do that then I can always bring it back into Telly and help Telmark get get yeah. better. So I was still sort of thinking Telly was a thing that I wanted to really do. But um, then my goal became to get on the Alpine team, mm-hmm. and, um, and it just so happened I then switched to uh, Threadbow Ski Resort because I was at a really small resort called Charlotte Pass. All right and um uh, threadbo was paul lorenz and riley mcglashan so they were also on the demo team st anton team with me yeah. and so i'd become really good friends and so we would go skiing all the time morning sessions afternoon sessions days off we're, the three of us were always skiing around and i would pick their brains and um just, you know, we're we'd chatting all the time and it's it huge. Like, I, I, I can't thank those guys enough mm. for the influence and knowledge I've gained from, from skiing with them and, and some other people that really supported me at, at Threadbow, like Matt Smith, the training manager. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that got me to the level where I was selected for the Aussie demo team that went to Argentina, mm-hmm. Nishwaiya. And um,
0: did you and go to that? to that? Oh, was, did you go to that as ski and telemark alpine and telemark? no,
1: just ski. So basically, once I decided I'm going to be on the alpine team, that was that was it. I think I telemarked maybe three times <laughs> since then. Okay. So it was, yeah, yeah, it was like a full just nuts. No, that's it. Mm. Which is how I think I'm a bit like that. It's kind of a bit all or nothing.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. So yeah, made that team. The the lead up to inter ski. 2015 was was great because I was motivated to go there and really, like, I think we had a really strong team with Paul Riley, mm-hmm. um, you know, some of the other guys, Ant Hill and um, Richard Jamison, and there's some really good skiers there. And, um, and, and it was, yeah, so it was really cool to go and show, like, the world that, like, APSI can. Can ski, you know. We can ski pretty well, given we come from a dry, hot country. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, with not the best snow and not many days of snow compared to the rest of the world.
0: No, and that's, that's um, to your credit, I think, isn't it? I mean, I, I don't know. I'm looking at some of these uh, these guys that you've mentioned. You know, Paul and, and, and Riley and stuff like that. And I have to say, they, I mean, these guys are really, I think, obsessed is probably the right word. You know, they're really, really. Definitely you know looking in so much detail about what makes skiing work and why and and, you know the the minutiae of their own technique which is you know know, to their credit it's absolutely fantastic and it's got them to where they are now so so that's cool
1: yeah yeah and I think that's I definitely you know I was obsessed with telemark skiing and everything and, and these guys sort of definitely helped me become obsessed with alpine skiing you know watching videos of richie Berger and yeah. all the japanese guys and um i think it really helped because i think a lot of people become like a full cert instructor and then almost kind of like kick the gear back like put it in in cruise control and just yeah. like like that's that's where they're at um but it was really after then that i sort of took off and was like right now i can I can ski like a Japanese person, mm. and I don't give you don't give a shit because I don't you know like it's my skiing now. I'm not trying to pass any other test or whatever. I'm I just want to see what's fun.
0: Mm.
1: Um, and you know, unless you're racing, like so, your specific goal is to be the fastest down the hill, or you're a park person, and your specific goal is to throw tricks and whatever. Yeah, uh, uh, skiing like then like technical skiing just becomes about being able to master all types of conditions, turns, terrain, and, and kind of, is it just play like play with play with the terrain and forces? So, Hmm. so why wouldn't you try and emulate what someone's doing and be able to do that and find what, what's kind of hidden behind that that's that's going to be something something useful because i don't think like if you can ski like every single good skier out there who's a bit different Mm. you are definitely going to be the most versatile skier out there whereas if you just think you are you've got it because you know i don't know some you're you've whoever country you represent you think their system is the best way and well yeah why and, and everyone else doesn't know what they're doing because they do it differently i think that's very close-minded and you're gonna you're always gonna miss out because because often i've found where the biggest breakthroughs you have are in things you think that are wrong or that you might sort of have a strong disagreement with and so you never ever explore it or yeah or see what's what's there i mean have you had that experience
0: yeah i mean i'm, I'm... <sighs> kind of you get kind of closed in your thinking but I mean for me um, my journey was slightly different so I I had a lot of my, my early formation was done within the British system and they have a certain way of Doing things and it produces a certain look. Uh, I think amongst the skiers that you see, and, and don't get me wrong, I think it's really, really good. But but then for me, my life went off in a different direction, and it made much, much more sense to to be Swiss in everything that I I do. Um, I live here, you know, my wife's Swiss, my kid's Swiss, so I live here, you know, I'm not planning to go back to the UK at any point, so so I decided that my route was, was to go within the Swiss snow sports system, and, and I learnt a huge amount about skiing, just transitioning from one to the other, so, oh, okay, well, there's a completely different way, you know, these guys are skiing much more fluidly, you know, they're much yes. freer yeah. in their body than... The, the, the kind of the, the way that the British would have you believe that, that, that it that it is good to ski. Yes. And um and for me that really, really opened my eyes up. But but in addition I think what's gotta come from within you and it sounds like it's the same with, with you and a few of your 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 crowd is that you've got to have that general interest in skiing. So, yes. you know, like you've, you've got it, your Facebook feed or whatever. has got to be full of, you know, mine is just full of skiing. There's nothing, you know, the, the odd, the odd bit, bit and pieces that comes from the other side. And I'm looking at this stuff going, oh, wow, that's, that's different. You know, that's different over there. That's different over there. Like, I don't particularly agree. You know, I have a bit of a personal hang up about, you know, the sort of Japanese Korean style of skiing. Like, you know, yep. for me, it just doesn't work aesthetically. But that's not to say it's wrong. You know, it's just, it's just different. And, you know, I can look at that style of skiing and see it and look at it and go, oh yeah, well, okay, well, I see what they're doing. I understand why they're doing it. um, But it's just not for me. And that's cool. Yeah. You know, there's more than one way to skin a cat. And if that works in their particular terrain and environments, then that's, that's all cool. Um, Yeah. But you have to look at these things to understand it. And to tell you what, when you go out on the hill and you... You, you know, clients love to know all of this sort of stuff, one one thing that I do quite often is when we're talking about pole planting, when you're introducing pole planting you can, you can show clients or students or whatever like all of the different pole planting styles from about 10 or 12 different nations and say so these guys do it like this the Italians do it like this, Swiss do it like this, you know, if you're Japanese you're holding your hands here, you know, it's it, and that kind of stuff is is useful, right? It's useful to know. Yeah. And yes. so, I don't think you can just go down this road of saying, "Oh, well, our guys are the best." You know, this is this is it. Especially, especially when you look at the the latest inter ski videos, right? You know, the Canadian guy. You must have seen the same stuff I've done. The Canadian yep. guys do that comparison video. And I have yep. to say, the large majority of nations, apart from those guys from korea and japan and maybe i think paul Lorenz was one of the video but he's got quite a unique style within the the australian apsi
1: lot. Yep. yeah guys anyway
0: is that actually everyone's kind of looking the same these days
1: yeah i thought the same thing Except yeah, yeah very, stars, very, but even yeah
0: you know yeah.
1: i was actually going to one thing uh, today i was like i want to do a video with commentary where i Compare, compare them all, and just talk. Like not like, oh, these guys are doing it right; these guys are doing it wrong. But just look at, look at some things that are measurable, like what the ski is doing. Yeah, so
0: there's not and that, then, that much then, difference. The
1: big uh, I would differ though. I would differ. I think, I think there is a bit of difference in because they're all on pretty much the same radius. And length ski, so yeah. so if they're all they're all kind of looking similar, but if you watch, like if that, it was completely groomed nicely, you would mm. see not the same arcs down the hill. Like for instance, the guy Jacob scove from um, Denmark, mm. like he 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 holds on to the turn for a lot longer than say Luke neuron. Um, and, and, um, and Takao Maruyama, like mm. both Luke and Takawa are, are kind of come, are not trying to continue arcing the ski that much after the fall line, they get a bit of deflection and then start to, to take it away. Whereas mm. a lot of the other guys are still ha- hanging on for longer, even though they look Sort of like in similar positions. Mm. Um, Yeah, there's definitely a difference in in how that ski is kind of working against the snow. Um, But yeah, I thought exactly the same thing as you. They all a lot of the movements are very are very similar, but but I would say timing of sort of uh, turn completion transitions and Mm. and stuff is quite. There's a lot of different timing. Which, which is really the only thing you could do if they're all got similar edge angles,
0: yeah, um, yeah. and the
1: same ski. That's really the really only thing that's going to be able to change that, that arc and the hill. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So I was going to do something looking at that, trying to explain, and then look up and, you know, like oh, we'll see. And that's because. They're, Kips here and their masses here, and yeah. I think it'd be an interesting thing
0: to do anyway. Oh, for sure. I mean, it, it, it's it, you're right. I mean, I think there is an element. And I'm sure Jazz Lamb said this in one of the early podcasts that we did is that you know he expected to see a lot of convergence. You know, he didn't seem to, he, he wasn't expecting a lot of this, um, a, a lot of huge, you know, uh, marked differences in national styles yeah. anymore because there seems to be kind of everyone's kind of come back in the same direction. Um, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, there is a certain, I don't know, I still go back to this, there's a certain freedom that comes in the Swiss skiing, I don't know what it is that, that creates it. They have a big inclination movement until the the angulation, angla, angulation movement right at the end. Um, but they certainly seem a lot freer on their skis than some of the other nations. Um,
1: yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think I think there's some of the, my favourite kind of... Style. If you, if you look at mm. it in terms of style, like, and, and their turns, like, they're really, like, it would have been cool to sort of ask them to, to like, maybe stick to a corridor, because I think you would have seen a, nu- a next level again. It really looked mm. like they were just in second gear. <laughs> like, oh, we got to do this video. Okay, fine. Um,
0: yeah. So yeah, they the- look
1: very, very relaxed and... Um, yeah, for sure. There
0: is a video which I encourage everyone to watch, which was um, which is a test, which is part of uh, the instructor level degage uh, 2 in uh, in the Swiss system, which is called the couloir test, where they set a corridor of varying widths down a I don't know, red piece or whatever. So you have like a, a yeah. tight corridor, and then it goes wider, and then it goes sort of narrow again, and then either mar- either narrow again or wide again. Um, and there's a video of Damien Franson doing that uh, test showing you what the level looks like. It's like it'll be out there on Facebook or YouTube somewhere but it's the yep. most extraordinary skiing I think I've ever seen for sure and, and yeah. uh, Damien's ex-World Cup guy so you know he's going to be able to rip it for sure but the, the test itself is amazing because having done it it's like it really tests your ability to manage pressure because if you're changing, you know, a carved radius turn, so let's say you're doing shorts and you're going into longs and then back into a short, and you come off the end of that last long and you have to kind of rip it back into a short turn within yep. a corridor of brushes is uh it's it's very very easy to get spat out or end up on the wrong ski or whatever as you go into that first short term and it's a real um it's 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 a it's one of the most interesting kind of technical tests that i've ever had to do you know when you go on yes. the British stuff you know you're doing the same old stuff like long term short term bumps whatever um but the the, the Swiss way is very odd, you know, they have a sort of 14 consecutive days of, of, uh, you know, tests, you know, can you do this, can you do this, can you do this? And, uh, you know, I guess their their theory is that if you can put all of these skills together, if you can do all of these tests, it makes makes for quite a well-rounded skier who's able to kind of really dance on their skis, you know? Yes. Yeah.
1: All
0: right. Um what I'm going to do now I'll tell you what, let's just finish off this locational thing, so you're off to New Zealand this winter?
1: Yes, so I'm you... headed actually going to go to Threadbow for a couple of weekends just with my wife, Okay. skiing mm-hmm. um, for fun wow. and then we've got uh, 10 days there um, as a family sort of July, August and I'm going to be doing a bit of training and a, and a sort of a couple one or two presentations for the ski school yeah um at Threadbow. okay um and then then two weeks uh in treble cone with the rookie academy at the sort of end of august yeah um yeah and then, well, then hopefully general, another little
0: general coaching or like a clinic or something like that or
1: uh so i get put on what are called the advanced camps for rookie academy mm-hmm. and so so that's not like training for your CSI level three or Bayesi two or whatever. It's it's people who have all sorts of different quals and um, just it's just all ski technique improvement. Yeah. So we don't have to do we don't do any I don't have to like show them any teaching progressions or anything. I mean hopefully they pick up stuff from that, but it's all about improving their technical um understanding and schemes. yeah um from my point of view and so and that's coming as tom who tom from sort of functional body who yeah. views things maybe you know this, this has just got my spin on it i guess you could say yeah um so yeah and i've loved it like it's been such an awesome platform yeah because i'm not constrained within this is the course content i have to present yeah this is kind of My view on it, and if you like it, great. If you don't like it, that's fine too. Yeah, um, let's just you know, see what you see what you think about it. And um, and it's been awesome because with your rookie academy, we all do a lot of um, we do training together every Wednesday and most weekends, Mm -hmm. and um, and it's cool because we've got people from all the different countries there, yeah, and so it's a real melting pot of, of. different ideas and um oh, people who are obviously been doing it a long time so it's, yeah. it's awesome and, and there's like heated debates at time in the locker room you know oh. about boot setup and or about like whatever it is and, and then other times it's like oh yeah it's awesome you know you're on the same page and yeah. it's just such a cool
0: it's almost like a mini interview yeah. by it sounds things.
1: yeah yeah except Except ski sometimes gets in the way because there is that structure there, whereas this is just like, it's more like, you know, friends get together. It's very much why I think I really enjoyed the the early days in Threadbow with Paul and Riley because we'd just all go off free skiing, talk skiing, talk skiing in the car on the way home, on the way up. Yeah. Watch videos together, argue, agree, disagree, and yeah, yeah. So, so it's just very much like that. So, yeah, I, I really enjoy my time there. Plus, It's beautiful. I mean, New Zealand is incredible. Yeah. Um, and Treble Treble Cone has some, has some awesome terrain, um, and the guys that run it, Garrett and Dean, are, are lovely guys. And
0: yeah, that's for sure. Um, I know. Uh, I know. I know Dean. Um, conversations with him before. Um, yeah. All right, cool. Well, let's in that case, let, since you're since you're going there with the sort of functional body hat on, let's talk about that. So, your your transition away from kind of skiing full time and more into more into into this. So your your business functional body. Right, you tell us a little bit about that and what what kind of clients are coming through your door these days?
1: Yeah. So, um, I would say, like, first of all, what functional body is. I guess it's it's my approach to um, getting people out of pain or increasing performance. Okay. So I wouldn't call it physiotherapy or massage or anything I, like that. I, I use movement, so exercises. I use um, hands-on techniques to like release or whatever, activate muscles, or whatever you'd want to call it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but yeah, people are coming to me with pretty much ninety percent of the time pain. 10% of the time, like, want to improve some kind of movement that they haven't got pain with, but you know, there's sport, sports related. So, those are the problems I have to solve. And, um, yeah, I get people from all walks of life from kids, like this week I had a, uh, like a 14 year old, and then also like a 65 year old. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and yesterday I saw two skiers morning i saw one skier so it's getting more like that they all happen to have some pain though (laughs) um yes and and so depending what what i've really tried to do is because i love skiing is eventually take more of this sort of stuff into the skiing side the skiing world because I think there's a definite need for a bit more um, accurate and detailed knowledge about biomechanics um, mm-hmm. movements movements, and stuff made on the skis so, so people have some, you know, be- better knowledge and education about it Yeah. because I certainly didn't. If you asked me <clears throat> what's the difference between um, your hip and your pelvis when I was a level, like beginner level four instructor, like I'd just got my full cert, mm. I probably wouldn't have been able to tell you. No, but I would have said I'm pretty sure they're the same thing, yeah. Or, um, yeah, and so, yeah, that's definitely different now. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so it's, it's partly been also a journey for me to selfishly learn more about how we move and how I move mm. because I, at the end of the day, I think most people that get a lot of people that end up being um, practitioners were in pain in the first place. I luckily wasn't that person, but yes. I was intrigued and, and wanted to figure out better ways or, or easier ways or figuring out how to teach ways to move better. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> learning more about the body and and that sort of thing has definitely helped, yeah,
0: yeah. in that space. It's, I, I think skiing is, from that point of view, I mean, it's very... Uh, right. <laughs> Get my thoughts in order here so I was down at the chiropractor yesterday I was rather stupid as moving a every and what happens after every ski season for about the last six years is that I put my back out at some point in the off season um uh-huh. but you know I think I, I don't think I'm the only one with that but I actually managed to dodge it last year but this year I thought I, I thought it for some reason last week it was a great idea to move a piano down the stairs on my own and uh, right. and you know next thing you know you can't walk but I, I think so you know I'm in the chiropractor fairly regularly um, but just to kind of get everything you know straight and in order yep Um, yep but I think that's all well and good in terms of dealing with a regular body but when what we're dealing with then when we add skiing into the mix is all sorts of weird stuff to do with boots and skis and bindings and ramp angles and you know cuff angles whatever you know baseball angles whatever all of that stuff then either serves to kind of aid us or to block us in our movement and i can't tell you the number of times that i see it during the ski season where clients turn up with some boots that they've rented from you know some shop somewhere that doesn't know what they're doing um and and you know i know a lot of good good hire shops for sure that do know what they're doing, but a lot often you know people will just go to somewhere like Osna Sport, which is you know, like the, the, the local kind of uh, big sort of supermarket thing here. Yep. And they turn yep. up with equipment that is not allowing them to move their body in the way that allows them to ski. And yep. that's a huge thing in the industry. I think yeah. because cause yeah. actually when you can see that kind of stuff Tom when you see that that you can know that when the client turns up for that lesson that there's literally not a great deal that you're going to be able to do for the next three hours if the equipment no. is blocking them <laughs> yeah. so what do you yes, do right? Exactly. what do you do?
1: yeah well <laughs> <laughs> you, just, you gotta like it's I know it's it's not for everyone to be able to do, but in like in a pickle, you know, like I've, you, you get out business cards or coins and you try and, yeah. you know, you wedge things in here and there. I mean, I, I, I definitely would not be uh, advocating to do that if you don't really know what you're doing. No, but that's sure. what I yeah. ended up doing has helped in the learning process, but that's, that, this can obviously come with dangers. If you don't, don't know what you're doing, but yeah, you, you're right. You, you, you can do your best. But really, that person's equipment, yeah, needs needs changing. Um,
0: the biggest I mean, one. Good, good, yeah, go on. Yeah. Sorry. sorry, sorry. Go on. You I was on. just
1: gonna say, like, I mean, for instance, uh, good good athletes can, athletic people, even if they're a beginner skier, can can work like they can get around it and compensate a little bit. Because there are lots of places you can, mm. joints in the body, you can compensate for the equipment pushing you in a, in a more difficult position. Mm. Um, but yes, it certainly makes it for those people who are more on the edge of, say, alignment that is ideal for a ski boot. Those people on the edges either way are very much... They're the ones that maybe do skiing and end up getting injured or hate it because it's too difficult and never do it again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, for, yeah. sure.
1: Or, for sure. Or end up the, the chronic level 3 resitter.
0: Yeah. <laughs> do you think that yeah. is equipment-based? It often uh, is,
1: I, uh, think. I think. I think, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you think those people often are given feedback to say you need to do this, you do this for years and those people are trying to do that mm. and they get good coaching from people and maybe they fluke a couple of turns because it's really nice forgiving snow and so then this boot alignment issue or whatever is not getting in the way as much because mm. of the snow's forgiving and, and they're like yes i got it and the trainer's like yes you got it and then the exam day it's rock hard and
0: yeah and you know
1: critical edge angle is not right and then they're skidding and rotating and whatever and Oh, you did it again, you did it right the other day but oh you didn't get it today.
0: Yeah. You know. Yeah.
1: So yeah, no. I mean I think those people that are caught caught in a rut, I think you gotta you have got to ask yourself. Like, you need to start thinking more laterally,
0: because yeah. could it be more yeah. setups. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. It's
1: true. The um, because look, yeah. I mean, you you think how many people, how many good skiers you know? Like, I'm talking like really good skiers, and you see them maybe at the gym or stretching, and they're horribly inflexible. Like, you know, <laughs> they're, 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 or they're not that athletic. Yeah. but yet they get on a pair of skis and they're fine and you're like that doesn't make sense yeah. and that and other people like you know incredible flexibility and whatever yet they have this funky ski technique yeah and so there's you've gotta like consider the whole. Kind of picture and, and really tick off, like look and tick off and go, Is this my problem? Is it kind of like a thing that's 80% of the problem or is it like 5% of the problem? Yeah. And yeah, go yeah. through a process of elimination and you'll get more to what the cause of what's holding your skiing back is.
0: Yeah. It's, it, you know, it's, it's, uh, I can imagine that if you were skiing, say, on the World Cup or something, I'm only imagining this because I'm never going to get anywhere near that, but, um, I can imagine that if you're if you have some if you're on equipment, let's say you've skied on a head or whatever for the last five years, you must be so fearful if there's an opportunity to change equipment, or you want to, you know, you're considering a change in equipment or something like that, because you know these things when you you go into say a different boot and it's a little bit different or whatever or, or constructed differently, and those guys are on a different level to us, but. You know, there must be a huge fear factor. So, oh well, maybe I won't be able to ski on this other equipment. Yeah, you know, and you can yeah, relate I'll, that. I'll down in, yeah. yeah, you can relate that down into like a, a, a lower level skier. So, it's like for me, I've been skiing on head head for as long as I know, right? Um, yeah. But and I, and I absolutely love that kind of head wrapped to boot. It matches how my ankles move pretty well. I've got super bendy ankles, so I kind of, you know, I it. it that, that level of forward lean matches kind of how my body works. Or it creates quite yep. a quite an upright upper body, but that's kind of just how I'm built. It's not it's not the boot yep. or anything that's yep. doing that. But I went So you've in, never
1: tried any other you've never tried any other brands?
0: Well I have. Uh, this is the, the point where I was coming to. So for part of some of this touring stuff that I had to do for for the Swiss brevet, is that I ended up in this kind of oh, I can't even remember the brand of it, but like a, a fairly Uh, No, a reasonable touring boot, but with a fairly upright cuff. Yeah. And I could not ski in that boot to save my life. (laughs) It's it's unbelievable. Because I wasn't able to do... My ankle wasn't able to do the movement that it normally does. Yeah. And so you're sort of constantly caught on your heels. And I see that so often with, like, beginner skiers who come or beginner or kind of average, you know, early intermediate uh, skiers who come and they've got these kind of rental boots that are kind of well stiff, you know, the plastic's all hard from, you know, being on the shelf for four years or five years or whatever and, you know they, they just cannot get their body to move in the way that it's designed to move
1: Yeah, but I, I think even like given your Listeners are probably all more ski instructors, and, yeah. and all ski instructors are going to be a bit selfish and want to know more about for them. Mm. Um, I think, yeah, just even talking about like people listening and wondering about their boot setup.
0: Mm.
1: You know, I think like because I've skied in Head, Lang, Dalbello, Scarpa, um, and more recently Fisher.
0: Yeah,
1: and so I've tried a sort of a wide variety of brands, and um, and even within the brands, like. For one year, I was like, "Oh, I really want to get." When I was with dalbella I really want to try the uh, the three piece boot. I can't even. Oh, I don't know why it's uh, escaping yeah, me now. The, the, like the Krypton,
0: Krypton? Yeah. the Krypton
1: Pro. Yeah, Krypton Pro. Cool looking
0: boot. Because um, I was like, "Yeah,
1: yeah." I was like, "Oh, sweet! I, I want to try that because it's going to flex differently." But I didn't realise that the cuff alignment was completely different to the scorpion yeah. um and yeah and i went for a run at threadbo and my knees were like totally knock kneed i couldn't yeah. ski and the snow was great it was really good snow and i was like i just wasted a whole entire like first run of the day excited for my boots yeah and i couldn't couldn't ski so the same brand yeah that i normally ski but different boot and it was was terrible and then more recently these fisher boots Um, which have been the best boots for me because of my bowed lower legs. Yeah. The Fisher boots, you would call them bowed boots in a way, like the cuff is very bowed. And, like, from the moment I skied them, I was like, I can't believe I've spent, like, (laughs) 10, 11 years, (laughs) like, not skiing in a boot like this. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I guess it, it is what it is. and. Yeah, I until things. I think you tr- go and try. You're like, there might even be a boot that's even better than the head for you, but you don't know until you go and – it's cool yeah. to be able to go and test, test some stuff. It's a shame you can't just go and,
0: like, you can't test, test boots, every single – can't test right? That's the hardest no, thing. No, like, You and can test any be, you want, but you can't test boots. That's really
1: yeah, difficult. Yeah, I know. And I can understand why, but it would be great if that was – an option, especially at the at the high end, because you know, like if you're just uh, like you know, not an instructor or whatever, and you're just skiing for two weeks a year,
0: yeah,
1: and and you really enjoy it when the conditions are good, and so if it's you know if it's kind of icy, you go in for early lunch and and hang out with your family, yeah, that boot setup is not as critical. Because yeah. this, this when the snow gets tricky and, and hard and you're an instructor and you have to go out there because you have a lesson
0: yeah.
1: or you love it and you ski no matter what, that's yeah. when it, I think, gets even more important. So, yeah, it would be cool if there was a high-end boot testing
0: shop um, yeah.
1: yes yeah exactly where you know
0: I think you just come up yeah, with a, yeah, a, a strong business idea which will net us millions. I think a strong,
1: a strong business yeah. idea that would very soon go down the plug <laughs> yeah. hole because everyone would rent you boots and, and you'd make no money because then they go thanks and they'd go buy them online somewhere else yeah well you'd get their pro deal and yeah
0: <laughs> I absolutely hear that I hear no the reason yeah. that I, that I kind of love the head wrap because it, it works for me I'm quite straight up and down in my my legs like there's not much bowing um it's just kind of not how i'm built but there is this kind of extreme ankle flex and i'm sure that's actually a thing with a lot of skiers i'm I'm convinced of it is that i bet you a lot of skiers can get their or you know high level skiers can get their knees well in front of their toes um I'm, i'm absolutely convinced of it but the but yeah, because so of if that, that boot and it's kind of the way that it flexes really works for me. I tried um I tried that Darbello I think it was a DRS one hundred thirty and it was way too yeah. soft. Way, way, way too soft. It was just was yeah. not gonna work for me in, a, in um, Yes. Yeah. But- of my chat with uh with tom um i really 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 enjoyed that uh that conversation about equipment and um and also it was amazing to hear his kind of journey into skiing and, and the fact that he's a late starter which you know again uh, like some of our other other guests you know it doesn't mean you could you didn't start at an early age doesn't mean that you um you know you're not going to get to uh get to a really really good level in skiing um in this second half uh, we talk about we cover a number of other topics so we talk about getting fat in the ski season um or certainly that's my my case i know some people lose weight across the ski season but I uh, might certainly get heavier uh we cover we cover something called pdtr and um and finally we touch on a subject um to do with how having children impacts your your teaching um which i thought was a uh, really interesting conversation, something that, that I'm quite hung up on at the moment. So uh, um, enjoy the second half, and uh, I've got a couple of great interviews coming up. I'm off next week uh, to go and see um, Phil Brown and Aosta, and uh, I've lined up some cracking ones for the autumn as well. So uh, so enjoy the second half, and uh, and uh, I'll see you on the next one. Bye. which may or may not be kind of functional body related is does when you skied full seasons in the past does your body composition change during the season the reason i asked is a slightly loaded question but i'm kind of off season now i've been off season for for uh, a month or so and it Mm -hmm. i've lost in that period i'm now about nine kilos lighter than i was in the season yeah and the major, a lot of it just seems to be a kind of process of okay you're not eating crappy food anymore like you know you're not eating rosti or whatever for lunch every day but but it seems like a lot of the, the muscle mass that was situated in kind of my thighs and, and kind of around my core has also kind of gone away. Is that something that you see with skiers?
1: Yes, definitely. And within myself, I know my jeans fit tighter around the legs, like end of ski season yeah. versus beginning. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, and the, and muscle, muscle weighs a lot. So um, you will definitely see that fluctuate.
0: Yeah. Definitely. Okay. You're a lot. You're well, you're a lot slighter than me. I've kind of seen the videos and stuff. But you do. But that does happen. Okay. So yes. so it, it's you know the body does change then over the course of the season Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. Getting kind of heavy. You probably yeah hit a heavier point towards the end as your muscles kind of peak out. Yeah. Um. And your endurance gets better, so you're able to do it for for longer. Mm. Um. Yes.
0: All right. Oh, cool. Um. Okay. So, I want to go on to the this other topic, which I, I I found really really interesting, and I only find it I find it interesting because a friend of. I might, well my best mate back in England um, and his girlfriend do this thing but for for horses this thing called P right I'm, I'm not going to call it PTSD because that's the wrong word P so- PDTR PDTR tell me all about that and what why you ended up in their clinic and what you were doing because I this is this is super interesting for me Well,
1: it's, uh, it's short for proprioceptive deep tendon reflex Okay um yeah so the idea is it's a it's a technique um that is sort of uh has derived itself a bit of it from applied kinesiology which is a lot of muscle testing so you know testing people's muscles based on attachment points fiber directions and actions of that muscle on the body so you can figure out if someone's gluteus maximus is working properly or if it's being compensated by um you know another muscle and which muscle it is so you can use muscle testing with applied kinesiology to figure that out Mm. um but this an orthopedic surgeon named jose dr jose palomar from the united states he um he was doing so he was doing surgeries on people say with back pain, and so they had adult, the bulging disc, and the, the suspicion was that the disc was pushing on the nerve root, and then that's why this person had pain, Yeah. and so going in and surgically cutting the disc away from the nerve and relieving that pressure should then theoretically put that person out of pain, yeah. which sometimes it would, but then other times, people would come back, and they would say, doctor, it's no better, I've still got the pain there, uh-huh. and so he was like, what... If it's not that, the pressing on the disc that is, the disc pressing on the nerve that is the problem, what else could it be? Which led him into, there's lots of research out there already on the different receptors that we have in the body, receptors in our skin, muscle, bone, different tissue that pick up things like how much pressure is on that particular part, how much stretch that particular ligament is under. um, If there's no susceptive or pain stimulus coming through or a danger threat because what's touching you is sharp like a knife Mm -hmm. Um, whether there's a particular frequency of vibration whether there's hot cold um, sounds uh, thoughts even believe it or not can trigger pain so looking at all these different receptors he started researching to find out how you could directly find out say if there's a weak glu- weak right gluteus maximus if the weakness is coming from a oversensitive pressure receptor so that person maybe the pain doesn't come along at all if they're out walking running skiing playing basketball all day heavily but mm. then they sit on their ass for five minutes and bam there's their there's their hip pain mm. um, so it's like okay there you could say that it's a pr- pressure receptor so you could with PDTR, go and test exactly that. And you could distinguish, you would find maybe the gluteus maximus was strong, and if you jolted it, it was strong. If you poked it with a pinprick, it was strong. If you stretched it, it was strong. You contracted, it was strong. But you touch it with a bit of pressure, and it goes weak as a baby. So you can, using this, using PDTR um, methodology, you can find out that specific. So, say someone, you know, a physio would maybe usually go, "Oh, it's you've got a tight glute. That's why you've got pain. Mm. Stretch it." Well, what if the stretching wasn't the problem? It's mm. pressure. How are you going How are you gonna change that yeah. if if that's not the stimulus that's bothering the nervous system? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you can go in and and guess it's it's a, it's probably the most complex thing I've ever studied because there are rules to it as mm. well, which makes it even trickier. So, within a do you know what a fractal is in just general sense? No. Okay, so a fractal is like um, like you could say a tree is sort of a fractal, like there's the base of the trunk yeah, and then you go up and it splits into two. yeah. And then that two splits into th- another two and then splits off and off and off. And so say you see someone and the problem is in one of the branches of the tree, But really what it was caused from was something that happened all the way down at the base. Yeah. If you go and treat the tree branch, you'll get rid of that. But then as long as the tree root or the base of the trunk gets disturbed again, it'll recreate the whole fractal of problems again. Yeah. And then you're back to square one. Mm -hmm. So PDTR can even help you find out. You could find that right glute pressure sense a problem and you go I'm just going to double check whether that's actually the top priority problem
0: uh, like in the your body. Base, like the base calls kind of thing
1: <laughs> yes is, is, is that the base of the tree or is that the is that just a branch that you're just seemingly noticing that's waving in your face so then you can test that and, you, and often it's not you go along and then you and it's got ways you can test and it's like no actually that's come from um like a jolt impact receptor is on your sacrum from and then then the person's like oh yeah you know what like Ten years ago, I fell on my tailbone ice skating really bad. Like I couldn't mm-hmm. walk probably for two weeks. And then it just kind of resolved itself and I never did anything about it. Yeah. But then, you know, like five years later, I've suddenly got this mysterious right hip pain yeah. that won't go away no matter what I do. And so yeah. PDTR is quite helpful. I mean, it's really complex. <laughs> Every case is really complex. But it can definitely help you get closer to that brute Cause, yeah, um, yeah, and the changes it's, ama- it's amazing. Like if it's because I should I should clarify. There's it's only good at helping if the problem is uh, a, a so- analogy wise a software problem as right. opposed to a hardware problem. So what I mean by that is a hardware problem would be you have a broken leg. Yes. No amount of PDTR will no, fix that. Because no, sure. you have a broken leg. Yeah. But if you have a broken leg ten years ago and the bone's all healed, but you have pain receptors around it that are still like way too high frequency and kind of setting off when they shouldn't. Yeah. Then that's a software issue and you can test for that and you can treat it. And it, and if it's if it's the if it's the cause, it will go literally in like the click of a finger yeah. or within like a minute it's uh it's it's really incredible and it's yeah. weird because you'll you'll do a treatment on someone and you go okay just get up and see how that feels and they look at you like but you just yeah. you just hit my patella tendon and like push my bum and then stretch but my, my it band like you think that's fixed and they get up and they go they bend their knees what and it's like pain's gone
0: that's crazy
1: so it's it's it's, it's it is crazy but
0: well I, when there you is start any, understanding yeah, it's quite a leading. Yeah, when you
1: start understanding neurology and 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 sensations and the, where and why you get given these pain signals or, or receptor kind of signals, it, it actually makes total sense.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I think also the body is extremely good at doing I think I'm sure you mentioned it earlier about doing workarounds, right. So if yeah. you've got, you know, like I have, I've got this kind of pain in my lower back, and kinda of then what happens is the body kind of works out ways to move and
1: to not set off
0: those receptors to not set bad, off those yeah. receptors, and then it carries those forward. Yeah. So by the time I, I arrive at the next ski season, I have certain movements that I I cannot go to. Or my body sorry, it's not that I cannot go to. But let's say I recover and this problem goes away but my body will not allow me to go through certain spaces because it's still remembering the, the, yes. it's still remembering the doing old that. stuff. And it's like, oh, no, you cannot go yeah. through that zone. But well, that's where yeah. it helps. Yeah, exactly. So it, you kind of make adapting movements. Yeah. And yeah. so
1: there's, that's, there's, there's your fractal. So you will have now, after this piano incident, yeah. developed some strategies off of that bass problem that help you get around it. And then exactly. you've got this tree of, tree right. of the piano problem And you might feel some then symptoms in a few months' time related to the tree branches, these strategies, and you might treat them (laughs) but almost forget because you think the back is is okay again. But you just want to always really tick off
0: yeah, go, go through a thorough process of checking everything. Yeah, yeah, I see. I might have to go down this route. It's, I think it's super interesting. Um, all right, look, yeah, I, yeah. I know you're pressed for time. Um, in this last kind of couple of minutes that I've got, I, I do want to sort of jump one more subject, um, if that's all right yeah. with you. Um, so you've you, you've recently become a new father, fairly recently, like 18 months ago or something like that. Congratulations. Yes. Um, Thank you. That kind of stuff will change your life. and Yes, uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, how, I mean, how has it changed your life and has it changed your life in relation to your own skiing?
1: Uh, that's a good question. Has it changed in relation to my own skiing? Yes, it's <laughs> hasn't allowed me to do as much as I'd like lately.
0: Well, yeah, I hear that. Uh, I hear that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I know... It's all a trade-off because it's definitely Archie has been the most wonderful thing and, um, and I can see down the line all these great ski days with him, um, hopefully anyway. Yeah. But, yeah, time spent with him doing things, showing the things that I love. Yeah. Um, but, yes, I think I think it's uh, uh, th- there's been a couple of things. In work life, I think I have a lot more empathy for parents yeah. Um, I mean, I've okay. I've had the most kind of like problems with my body since Archie's been here because of lack of sleep, uh, yeah. because of awkward like constantly being asked to pick him up mm-hmm. out of a cot, which is awkward at like midnight, and then again at one a.m. and then yeah. again at three a.m. Yeah. and you'd and you know you forget all the good habits of movement, and then you go, why is my back sore? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely taught me some. Empathy and understanding of other parents, and um, and yeah, be- and being yeah more mindful of what they've gone through, yeah. Um, but also that you need to be really careful and and look after your own body um, because of that. So, yeah, and then, and then of course, I think someone else said to me the other day, like, I think being a parent is the most selfless thing you can ever do. So, yeah. which, <laughs> I mean, you know, to not be, you get invited to go over to Europe or Canada or America um, to run some, you know, I get asked to invite, do some ski clinics and camps and stuff and sorry, I can't, I can't go because... Yeah. <laughs> because oh. uh, of my family and, and I value staying with my family more but of course that's kind of hard to, to um, it's hard see you, those opportunities yeah. be passed up.
0: Yeah, when you've got professional um, ambitions, it's difficult, isn't it? Yeah, Uh, it is, it is. I I am kind of developing a a sort of theory in my mind, I don't know whether it goes anywhere or not, but it's kind of, it's something that I've noticed for sure. So I I work with kind of kids all year round, so I'm a uh, football coach in the summer and a ski coach in the winter. And um, what I've noticed is that the level of empathy that I've had with children, post-kids, is much 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 higher be that on the mountain yeah. or be it whatever i'm much much more forgiving of if they make errors or mistakes or whatever and i'm much yeah. much more um concerned for their well-being which i didn't have before and i don't think you can ever really know that if you don't have children and i'm not this no it's not, exactly. not to put that out there and say you guys have no kids you don't know anything no. that's not true because that
1: was that was us before kids yeah that's right
0: um, yeah, th- there's yeah, just another yeah. level of care that, yes. yeah. that that kind of jumps in the way I wouldn't say jumps in the way but it's 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 in between you and the teaching so let's say you've got a group of kids or you've got a kid or something in there you're teaching now as opposed to before kids, I'm definitely, definitely much, much more, my, my f- number one priority, as opposed to kind of trying to get my point across and teaching, is definitely something much more empathetic it's to do with their care and their well-being, which yes, wasn't there before. yeah,
1: definitely. Because they didn't know it. Yes. It's yeah, really interesting. Because, yeah, of course, back then it was probably more like, i got to make sure this person... Gets better at skiing. Yeah, because that's to what do their that, parents right? paid yeah. for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, and I think too, uh, it's really helped um, see how a human goes through the process of learning something. Oh yeah. And that, that yeah, like it's amazing watching Archie at the moment. Like he, he's almost now able to walk up and down like a set of stairs without help. And just seeing him, like the other day. That's all he wanted to do. I started to go up and down the stairs, up and down the stairs because he can see he's like, Oh, I've just gotten better at this. And that's all he wants to do is just practice that and (laughs) test it over and over again.
0: Yeah.
1: And it just, it's just like, it's such a good reminder of, Oh, right. Like, once you've got that, like in skiing, you just go and practice that one thing over and over and over again. And then you get a bit bored and then just leave it. Yeah, then like we'll you don't on. have to, you know, yeah. yeah, move on, do something else fun and then come back to it and be obsessed with it again
0: Yeah.
1: and then leave it. Um, yeah, and then he doesn't, there's so much, you know, like there's so much observant, he's, he's being observant mm. um, and then testing for himself, you know, whether, you know, how to do it. Not totally relying on me, a bit of help from mum and dad. But, yeah. Yeah, so it's been really interesting watching a human – develop and learn and grow and, and um practice something, leave it and then you come back next week and they've and they've nailed because 'cause they've just been constantly practicing yeah. it. Yeah, um, yeah. In the background. It's it's been really cool.
0: That's been good. Yeah, the other thing that you touched on, which I just then earlier which I, I thought was interesting is is this kind of concept of how it looks like when you drop your kid off with somebody now like the, what it, what it, understanding what it is to be a parent and I think back yeah. to kind of my pre-kid days and kind of you know every now and then i turn up to a, a lesson or something a bit hungover and I'm like oh and now I think back to those days I think oh I wonder what those parents must have thought <laughs> yeah. and they're handing their kids <laughs> over to me I don't drink anymore I've done, I'm not done for like three and a half years so that kind of all that's gone but like I, I wonder you know, it, it's. Ugh, I have regret for that certainly because now, I'm, I'm I'm really conscious about who I'm handing my kid over to, and if, yes, if there's a day yeah. in the future, you know, I'm handing my kid over to like a ski instructor for whatever reasons, it's ending up, you know, in in a in a compromised state. That's really going to be a real issue for me. It's really, uh, yeah, it's really yes, strange. Yeah. This kind of complete shift yes. in perspective.
1: Yes, yeah, definitely. And I think there's it, pr- a lot of kudos to like just kids in that you know they're pretty they're pretty smart often at looking after themselves luckily like yeah. luckily they don't have to <laughs> often completely rely on instructors yeah. new instructors because God help them if that was the case mm. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think good like ski schools are really good management at you know keeping an eye on that and I think if they really saw that, Problem come up. I know at Threadbo people have just been yeah. told to pull their head in or just taken off work, and
0: yeah, yeah so yeah.
1: that's um, that's good.
0: Yeah, well, um, it's a, okay. yeah,
1: but no, yeah, yeah. I think that I think it's been been great. Lots of lessons in in having a, a kid. Loved it. Can't wait. Hopefully, I'm gonna put him on some little plastic skis yeah. um, at the end of July <laughs> and, and and see. So they'll be like 21 months. See, uh, see, what, see, what he just to like so he feels sliding around, um, and then hopefully we can do it again in Canada. Yeah, in January. We, um, we, I tried yeah, those
0: little. little I tried those little plastic skis, and the, the the one time I managed to persuade him to put them on, uh, they fell off. I was just like, uh, like, you know, finally yeah, I like, oh, I'm going to try it. And so, uh, so, it, <laughs> so goes, it didn't work out so well? Not really. No, it was. Um, okay. okay. What, no, yeah. well, what I, she shouldn't, does, I shouldn't hold my breath. No, then. no, because I, I'm trying a bit early. You know, she was only just two. Um, okay. And actually I kind of, I always say it's a bit naughty, depends who you ask, but okay, we were just pootling around with her in a backpack, which is kind of yeah. not brilliant, but it was enough to get her. To have the sensation, she loved the sensation of being in the turn, and that was interesting yes. like that kind of swooping feeling. Yeah. So that yeah, was really cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, this year, like she can be way too heavy for that. Like she's 15 kilos or something, yeah. so there's no way. Actually, that-
1: that, I, must, I must say, that's uh, that's brought up something that I've been thinking about. I'm really interested to see, given my background in body stuff and whatever yeah to see what archie grows up to be like because yeah i'll take him on my skateboard and kind of like give him that sensation of yeah of like swooping through turns and um and he's already pretty good at riding a little three-wheeled scooter now on his own
0: yeah
1: um which is cool um yeah so i'm really interested to see how much Nature versus nurture.
0: well yeah. Um, you yeah. know, his,
1: You know, how much that actually has an
0: influence. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I spent a lot of my yeah, formative guess... years riding like bikes, mounted bikes, whatever. Um, and that I'm sure has has something to do with the ability to kind of inclinate and angulate. You know, what I mean, yes. like there's a there's, yes. a, there's yes. a parallel there. You're
1: familiar with that sensation? Yeah.
0: Of going over, yeah, you know, that's... over and transition. Yes. Um, yes, but yeah, so I, I don't like I say, I don't know whether though it's you know, there is a genetic component to being comfortable with sliding along or not. Yes, um, I think yes. that's going to be a, 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 a quite an interesting thing actually, ongoing.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm really, really keen to see what, what comes of that in the future.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The other one I cool. think is going to be a, a, a struggle in our family is like you know, she's stubborn as hell, so. <laughs> so was just, she's only gonna learn on her own terms. So I'm gonna be just yeah. like, well, you want to learn, you want to learn. I might end up having to get yeah. one of my colleagues to do it or something because it's. Uh, yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. yeah, well, Jenny's asked if she can be the one that teaches him first off, and I'm like, of course, because yeah. she's like, well, once he gets better, you know, of course, he's not going to want to ski.
0: No, I understand. She's
1: like, she won't ski with, you, won't ski with me <laughs> after that, so can I teach him? I was like, of course you can. Yeah.
0: So, um, yeah. All right, well, look, I know you're pressed for time, so thank you. Um, what I'll probably do, if you want to give yourself a little plug for your, 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 your business, if you want, I give that opportunity to everyone. So where can people find you if they need you?
1: Yeah, great. Well, um, I put a lot of stuff on my Instagram account, which is just one word, Tom Gelly, G E L L I E. Um, And then my Facebook page, Functional Body. So there's a lot of good stuff on there. And and if people go back through the history on videos and pictures, I mean, there's heaps of stuff in there, like on, you know, little tips and stuff for what you can do for your body. Um, And then on my website, Uh, www.functionalbody.com.au started putting together like a sort of a subscription and rental, um, piece for, for, it's more for ski instructors or high-end skiers on Mm. different topics like angulation, um, rotational balance, uh, refined edging, pressure control. And I'm just, just adding, um, when I get time like the next one's going to be on kind of the topic of four and a half balance and mm. i really try and cover topics in there that are maybe ones you wouldn't find if you've even been through all the levels of your instructor certification or yeah. maybe you know like clarification of some things that i know myself was a bit confused about early on yeah because it's not you know, you might think like someone asks you what is angulation and you spit out some sentence and then, you know, so do you really understand why you use it and why is this person not doing it here but they're not falling over and mm. so really getting down to understanding how it's done, why it's done. So I'm really like happy with those videos. They're, I think they're a really good resource for instructors. Mm. And then YouTube, I've got a channel, a YouTube channel called, uh, with the name T Gelly and um yes yeah, lots of free videos on there as well mm. some skiing ones some some body stuff mm-hmm. um yeah and then the podcast uh global skiing which you mentioned and oh, i really enjoy that yeah 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 no i've really enjoyed as you probably why you've ended up doing this one mm. and and i think you've filled a good a good niche in. you know i know a lot of people from canada north america australia new zealand mm. But you know, you know people in Europe and yeah. um, have connections there, so you're kind of filling in what people want to hear from from those guys.
0: Mm.
1: Um, yeah, but but I highly recommend checking that out. I've got a couple couple of people I want to interview um, on uh, on that show coming up. Yeah, one guy is an en- engineer, biomechanics guy, and um, and another one it's just escaped the top of my head. But yeah, there's a couple more good. Good, okay. good shows coming up, and then and then one on my YouTube channel with Stuart McGill, who's a professor of spinal mechanics, and I think that's a great mm. one. Every ski instructor should look at yeah. because he talks about the importance of spinal health and mm. and brings it back into relation to skiing. Because he, he's not a skier himself, but he understands um, yeah. the movements and 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 what skiing would go through. And he's brought he's worked with Olympic skiing athletes and brought them back from injury to, to sort of medal success. So he's definitely he's a very, very interesting, very knowledgeable guy and an hour and a bit of really good stuff on your spine so that would be a good one for people to check out
0: too oh, brilliant okay well I'll, I'll i'll add links to all of this stuff so that people can get you and uh, and find you on the oh, thank you i don't know where you're finding time to upload so much stuff to social media crazy <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: yeah on the bus
0: yeah oh, that's the one. all right yeah, yeah cool well i'll, I'll leave you to awesome. the rest of your day i'm assuming it's the typical uh sunny friday afternoon it's, in no, australia. it's, it's horrible grey, so rainy no. no it's
1: horrible rainy great yeah it is it was really nice yesterday but no i mean winter's hit early in australia it's actually uh, really good i mean there's there's heat 80 centimeters of snow or something already which is a lot for mm. australia this this time of year that's great um yeah so i think it's going to be a good good winter
0: Alright mate, well enjoy it um, and uh, thank you so much for uh, sharing your time with us uh, today
1: Thanks very much Dave
0: Alright mate, no worries Have a, have a great weekend Thanks